first must say is I am staggered by the international nature of this audience. Um, <laughs> is there a European country not represented? This is uh, this feels like quite a special uh, group here this morning. Yes, so culture and self-management. Um, so like Sarah mentioned, you know, please fire in your questions into the chat as this rumbles along, you know, we'll try and we'll try and crowdsource as many questions as we as we can. Um, but uh, yeah, to kick off, Tom, uh, we've got this question of culture and, and self-management. And as difficult as this may be, could you have a go at outlining what you think are the salient aspects of Busy's culture um, as pertains to self-management, right? What the salient aspects of, of the Busy culture and how this has helped Busy over the course of the pandemic? Um, so if you could, you could kick off uh, giving us a sketch uh, along those lines and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, um, yeah, thank you. Um, nice that so many people um, attend this, this talk or the, our conversation. Uh, looking forward to a lot of questions. Uh, sometimes I would like to refer to also to books, etc. So if people feel inspired that they can dive uh, a little bit deeper. Uh, because it's not about uh, Visi, uh, our company, and it's also not about me. Uh, to answer your question, Richard, I would like uh, immediately to, to frame this in, uh, in the book. A lot of people know Drive uh, of Daniel Pink, because I think we're, we're not an exception. Um, the most people like, and, and these are the three pillars of this, of this uh, very famous video, of the uh, RSA about the drive book. It's about autonomy. Eh? People want to decide for themselves how they do the work. It's about mastery. People want to become better. Eh? Like for instance, at the moment you want to become a better soccer player or football player uh, because it's nicer when you can play much better. Uh, and it's also about a sense of purpose, which is something which in the pandemic, I think a lot of people realized much more than they did before. Uh, on, on a lot of different levels. So if this is in place, and I think the crisis has worked as a kind of, uh, yeah, how will I call this? It, 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 it makes things clear, clearer. So on the one hand, you have companies who want to go back to command and control. And on the other hand, companies are pretty relaxed and say, we are doing fine. We did fine during the pandemic. Uh, the the trust, which is the core of the whole culture, uh, proved that we have a very self-focused um, uh, culture in in a sense that people feel responsible, uh, and and so we were doing uh, very fine. But I think, let's say, a lot of companies where values and trust is in place they all did fine that's at least what i hear and i'm not talking about restaurants with a lot of problems but just in general my impression is that we're not an exception all those for instance it companies where there's a lot of trust those companies did very well and everybody tells after the pandemic whatever you like you can go into the office or you can work from home we don't care we are doing fine as a company Right. Thank you. Yeah. And so I'm hearing the, these three pillars, autonomy, mastery and purpose, uh, and that, that underpinned, it sounds like, by, by trust. Uh, and, and then people have a sense of responsibility. I wonder if we, we take each of those in turn. And so, so what is it that Vizzy does that 
empowers or enables people to have more autonomy in their roles? Uh, yeah, I think what what I often see is, and I really have to uh, to to start with a kind of disclaimer. Um, it's very complicated because it's a very very big puzzle, and it consists of a lot of pieces. So you can't just take one part out of it and say, okay, when I implement this, then everything will be solved and everyone will act re- uh, self-responsible. That's not the way it works. So, but I think the basic starting point is this uh, this theory of do you trust your people or do you distrust your people do you feel that you have to control them and 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 hey, you have to spy software on 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 computers and this and this crap which i find also from a uh, from a from a let's say uh data point of view incredible uh that 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 we we have this kind of discussion it feels like a little bit 1984 or not a little bit it feels like 1984 um so it starts with trust and then i would say just to frame uh or take another book uh which we also discussed um uh, amy edmondson and psychological safety if you are able as a starting point to create that people feel safe then everything will work out in the end, to put it in a very simple way. And how do you create psychological safety that has to do with the way you're organized and what we just said? Are people able to discuss themselves in the team, who to hire, how to do the work? Uh, but it also has to do with salaries. It has to do with the kind of culture you have. Do, are you long-term focused or do you have a very short-term uh, culture which is based on higher and fire and so on and so on and so on right right and okay so so there's 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 plenty of exit you know aspects to talk about there um i wonder if we should just we should to to paint the picture here a little bit go back to the start of visit <laughs> so so maybe that's a better place to start like what when you first founded it and you founded it with your your co-partners you know, what did you put in place right from the start, right? So we talk about complex systems, we talk about the, the importance of initial conditions, right? All organizations are complex systems. What what were the things that you, made, you, you determined to do right from the start when you founded the company? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. First, I have to say that we were not the, the founders people think, which is the normal case. Uh, that we are, were 25 and decided to uh, to let's say uh, on a, on a, on a Friday evening in the pub uh, to to start a company. So uh, and that's also what what statistics uh, don't don't tell us. So the most successful companies um, and the, the the most stable companies are founded by people who are. Average is 44. I, I, I was actually uh, also in, or we also in in this age bracket, and and those people who start companies or successful companies, they have worked for quite a long time in just very normal companies like we also did, and then and then you have two possibilities: you can just quit because you don't like the corporate environment anymore, or you have a certain opinion on. Let's say if people should go uh, on a, on a, take a kind of innovation or develop a new product, etc. Uh, or and that was our case, we just lost our jobs. So it was very 
a very simple situation. Uh, we were working for for a German uh, company, a stock listed company, and they, they closed down subsidiaries in, in the Netherlands and in, in Switzerland. And we, we just said, okay, what are we going to do now? Shall we apply somewhere and, and, and search for a job? And we were just very lucky 10 years ago, because the company exists for 10 years now, that at that time, nobody had children. So we were four people. We didn't have children. And we said, okay, just live, give it a try. Shall we just continue? Uh, and I think a lot of people are in this in this in this situation. So it has to be a kind of situation where you still have enough experience to have a kind of understanding or sense in which direction should sh there is an opportunity, or perhaps you have some clients. And then actually, to answer your your uh, uh, question very precisely, we just said the main driver to to start our company is that we want to do the things we think we like to do them. Uh, this is whole idea of autonomy. And I think it's not about earning a lot of money. So this whole idea of all those unicorns and becoming very rich and start a company and exit it as fast as possible, etc. That's not the main driver to start companies. It's autonomy. And then the question is, if you like to start something because you want to decide for your own, why would you, if the company becomes bigger, tell other people what they have to do all the time and micromanagement right. them. So that I think is the main thing. So I always would like to, to just um, reframe or to, to, to focus on this and say, okay, if you build your company, please reflect on the reason you founded the company and treat others like you wanted to be treated yourself or, or think why you started the company. Right. Right. And I guess as, as you say that, I, you know, it has me reflect on the hypocrisy, as you say, of some of these founders is they start it because they want to, you know, want to leave the machine and strike out on their own and do their own thing and have all this autonomy. And then over time, they create these bureaucracies that stifle yeah. the autonomy of everyone who works with them. I think that's interesting. Um, but was that attention amongst the four of you? Did, 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 were you all on board and sort of had the same aspiration in terms of level of autonomy? Or were you kind of constantly managing a tension between you as you started to build the culture uh also we 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 are totally different uh people so we have very uh uh complementary uh, skill set so to say uh and 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 then you have often and it's often the case in those teams you have people who more from a kind of intuition starting point film doesn't feel right or i don't want to 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 tell people in a kind of detail what they have to do and then on the other hand, you have, and that, that's probably more my, uh, let's say, personality uh, by reading books permanently and, and reflecting on this, looking for research, etc. But that's also, for instance, if you talk about psychological safety, it's all based on research. And it doesn't matter what kind of topic you want to solve as an entrepreneur, you always find an enormous amount of research. So just to put it very simple, these pillars of drive uh, there's just a lot of research done on that so if you create a kind of system where where you have autonomy mastery and a sense of purpose you will just build a better company so why wouldn't you why wouldn't you do so or if you are more long-term oriented you will be more profitable you will have a higher uh, let's say uh, shareholder value and it's the same with self-management so uh, just to take another book if you take this whole 
development of self-organization, uh, uh, the interesting thing is that everything which is really, let's say, big as a structure or complicated, all those systems are self-organizing systems. So if you talk about ecosystems, which I always find very interesting that even in our language, in our business language, we use words which are taken from other disciplines. So ecosystem is something which you take from biology. And in an ecosystem, we know that it's self-organizing. So a rainforest or a, a biological ecosystem is self-organizing. There's not a kind of dictator who tells uh, which animal what to eat or something like that. It's all, it's all self-organizing. Right, right. Um, so you were inspired by a lot of this reading. Some of your co-founders were more intuitive. But I, I'm just interested in you know how the culture started to emerge. So what what were the, like the first concrete decisions that you made that were perhaps consciously different from the organizations you'd been from? Like, was it the, the first hire you had to make or did you immediately start going public with your salaries? Like what, what were the first steps that sort of uh, indicated the manifestation of this type of culture? Oh, there were, there, there were a few different uh, topics. So on the one hand, let, like Sarah just said, we're for the third time in a row, or in a row. Uh, number one, but it's the fifth year we're we're taking part in this uh, great place to work. Uh, let's say ranking. So there was there was this understanding that if you want to build a great company, you have to kind of uh, reflect on if people are happy working in that company. So I always would um, uh, tell people, okay, start with with this idea of asking your people if they are happy very early. Uh, because then you find out uh, what you have to change all the time or what you have to implement. That's one thing. Uh, and that's a kind of automatic, uh, there's an auto automatic um, uh, uh, systemic approach to that because it, this kind of audit comes back every year. And so that, that really helps you. Then you just have a kind of, depending on how many founders you are, where, where let's say if you, if you split up the work, then, then, then you have very, very soon a situation where people tell each other if they were sitting just on the kitchen table uh, uh better you take this this topic and i take take that you, know, you you i mean if you would find a company yourself then you also would think about who i'm going to hire what do i don't like or let's try to hire other people and then at a certain point it's the third thing at a certain point people don't fit uh, around this kitchen table anymore and then and then you have to think okay what's the next step and and there are those different phases in in let's say growing companies um uh, and it's often called value of debt that 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 every 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 situation or every every growth path has its has its uh, challenges and then at a certain point you have to think about what will be the structure of the company will we create a vertical structure yeah, let's say the old idea of the orange structure in, in La Luz reinventing organization of a kind of army. And shall we just put on our on our shirt uh, who, who has uh, which rank and I'm the general of the of the army, so to say, or shall we have a more horizontal approach? And then connecting these kind of things and discussing it with each other. Um, yeah, then, then we just said to each other, shall we just try holacracy or this combination of holacracy or sociocracy? And that's perhaps also something for um, for for people who who start companies or or trying to experiment. The earlier you start, 
uh, also referring to the poll we just did, the earlier you start and the younger the people are, the easier it will be. So you have a kind of metrics that say working experience and, and, and size of the company. And the younger the people are and the smaller the company is, it, it's, it's easier to start. And the bigger the company is, and, and the, if you have a company of 100,000 people and the average, let's say, working experience is 25 years, that will be a hell of a, uh, of a challenge, so to say. Right, right. Um, so you were all quite experienced, but you managed to overcome that, you know, because it was a young company and you, you, you were in at the start and you could change the culture. Uh, let's have a look. We've got our first question here. Interestingly, I now run a family business when changing culture, which has been embedded for over 30 years. It's challenging. Do you have any recommendations on how to manage this process when you take over uh, to enable these challenges? So taking on a 30-year-old family business. <laughs> yeah, any thoughts on changing culture that? Yeah, I would. I would if I if I if I may answer that. Um, I think uh, it's excellent when uh, when it's an excellent starting point, because one of the positive sides of a family business is that it's very long term oriented, and that's something which is extremely important for any strategic decision you take. So um, I would say start with um, purpose. Yeah, what's the reason for being? Uh, what's the reason? for your business start with the calls yeah, there's also a sense of purpose in this in this drive book if you want to start in a very simple way uh, and then and then discuss about the uh, ranking of your of your shareholders of your stakeholders and for instance on our website it, uh, it it just very put transparently and it starts with the purpose so we say purpose is the ceo of the company then People first, so our our own people, we are more important than the client, so to say, just to put it a little bit uh, provocatively. Uh, if people are happy, then clients come second and then shareholder com comes last. So we say if the people are happy, then the clients will be happy and then the shareholders will be happy. And that's, I think, a very, very simple model, which very fits very well to a family-owned uh, company. So I would just say, uh, give it a try and just and just start with it. Yeah, and my own experience of working, you know, with with long-standing cultures, that just that just that nature of that inquiry, right? You're you're putting people into a much more open space, right? And and from there, it becomes much easier to to, to tackle these questions of culture. Yeah. Um, so the next uh, question here. In Invisi, how do you drive people so that they feel responsible for the results of their work, in particular financial ones? And what if objectives are not reached and the survival of the company is at, is at stake? So how do you drive people to feel responsible? You don't have to drive people to feel responsible. People, people feel responsible. So, and that's, that's why I always would, would recommend go into this research dive into this research people feel responsible and yeah. uh, and and it's the same like bonuses are counterproductive so 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 it and sometimes we think it's counterintuitive but it's not so the example i always take about the pandemic it, it even goes beyond when this lockdown was there in March last year, for instance, in, in, in Europe or in certain European countries, 
you saw those 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 pieces of paper on 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 in apartment buildings etc just if need anybody help please dial this phone number so people have this collective responsibility you don't have to tell them that but you have to but you can't motivate them you have to take away demotivation yeah. and 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 the problem is that our way of seeing the world especially if you're much younger than i am i'm 53 you're raised in a kind of belief or cultural setting which means that the character and stick approach is 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 the best model but research has proven that it's the worst model but if you if you if you are told all the time by media and management literature that shareholder value maximization uh, uh, despite of any other interest of other stakeholders is 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 the way to maximize our our well-being and and i use the word well-being and not use the word profits uh, uh, then you have to zoom out and, yeah. and and really ask yourself if that if that still works and also if people quit jobs they don't quit they don't quit for let's say uh their salaries that's probably i don't know on the on the 10th um in in those ranks they 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 quit because they don't like the people or they don't especially on the first place there there's the supervisor so to say that's why we also abolished it so yeah. so if you have horizontal approach and you have this kind of rotation principle that you work together as a team then you don't have this this uh, this problem anymore to put it a little bit bluntly yeah yeah i mean the clue there is the question how do you drive people right well that that assumes that people need driving right so we're back to trust if you, if you trust people um uh then then you're not going to be asking yourself that question just one one quick anecdote from another company called a, a happiness company in the uk and uh, one of the things that he did when he needed uh, to drive up sales in a particular part of the company, the only thing he asked the sales team to do was just to put on the walls around their area, um, their sales. That was all. He just said, be visible. <laughs> no no bonuses, no targets, no nothing. But just by doing that, it, it meant that people then pick, pick, picked up the baton themselves to think about, well, okay, well, how could, how could we improve these numbers? Um, and then the second part of this question, what if, objectives are not reached and the survival of the company is at stake so what happens when objectives aren't reached they're busy yeah just take away just take away this approach of of a certain goal so i can give you a zen answer it's not the goal but the roads to be traveled uh, but i can also give you a, 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 a let's say a more practical approach to this eh? it's an infinite game it's not a right. finite game so for yeah. those people who are into books just google infinite game simon sinek uh, but but he didn't invent it so it's it's about the journey so if, if you if you're more into a spiritual approach which which i'm not a spiritual person uh, uh I'm, I'm i'm entrepreneur i'm building a company but but it's always about a sense of purpose it's doing something together it's about it's about liking what you're doing uh, so somebody asked it's, if it's about happiness, um, that would be interesting. I we, we I did a podcast, an interview for Management 3.0, and 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 I don't like the word happy, because there's also again this American uh, connotation. Uh, life is not about being happy. Life about is about fulfillment. So 
achieving something together. And that's this kind of sense of purpose. And, and if you talk about metrics, et cetera, uh, Richard re just referred to it. Um, what, is, what is the metrics? What is the metrics of your life? What, is the, what kind of metrics did you decide to raise your children? What kind of metrics do you have in your partnership or with your friends or with your family? So, so, so we take this kind of managing the company. Eh? Manesh comes from, from, from telling the horses what to do. Uh, we, we have to zoom out and we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? What kind of madness are we creating? And why don't we just treat people like we treat our children or our friends? Why do we behave in such a different way when we enter a company? Right, right. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then we've got another question. So I think we've covered off the metrics and the, and the happiness question there. What about um, books that you, you recommend to take a, a, to dig deep on the topic? I would recommend a very famous podcast uh, or <laughs> a, 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 a podcast which will be hopefully very famous, but not because it's about being famous, but it's about inspiring. No, it's just, just, just to make a joke. Uh, and that's why Richard are laughing. Richard and I started the kind of project uh, and this podcast will be will be uh, titled "You Should Read This" or or somebody has a better idea. Then we're looking forward to this, and and we 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 discuss this kind of books, uh, but it depends on the question. So if people are interested in 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 let's say what I uh, read, I, I I read a lot. Uh, I read uh, more or less a book uh, a week, but Richard does as well, and then it just depends on the topic. So if you are interested in self-management google let's say richard's name or my name and you will find stuff uh, if it's about if it's about um, uh, purpose uh, you probably should dive much more into philosophy uh, if it's about rules in the company uh, we did a lot on on um, the golden rule i think richard and i also did a, a talk on that so so it really depends on the on the topic because this library is endlessly it's also infinite uh, and 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 I think it's always your own road. So search for yourself, search for your own answers. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant answer, and it comes back to trust. I mean, we we can't trust others until we can trust ourselves, and trust yourself to your own intuition. Right? Trust your own intuition. It's, it starts there, and and the, the right book will emerge at, at the right moment. Um, having said that, I you know one book I love that kicked me off of this journey was Maverick. Um, which was, was by a guy called Ricardo Semler. Um, uh, and he uh, turned around a company in, in Brazil um, with stunning effects. So, so uh, yeah, that might be one. Um, where do you start the change if you want a happier company? Ask your people. So it's, it's just, but it's, it's like a normal life. I mean, normally a conversation should be in, in uh, a conversation is no conversation if it's a vertical one and somebody tells at the top what people have to do. So, yeah. so I think it always starts with the conversation. So just take a very simple example to refer also to this, uh, to this great place to work. Um, we ask our people, what, shall, what do we have to do next? if we would like to have you in the company for the next 30 years, what's important for you? 
Yeah. So that's a totally different way of seeing things. Uh, I mean, you can also say, okay, let's uh, let's put a, a display and, and let's talk about the sales of next week. Uh, but we 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 like to zoom out and say, okay, um, we want to work together in a kind of our we create our own ecosystem. We don't care about what others do. Uh, we don't care about competitors. We don't care about the whole sector. And the financial sector is a mess. Uh, we just create our own our own uh, environment. Uh, our own community, and we 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 decide with each other how how we do things. We have fixed salaries. We don't have bonuses. Um, uh, everybody can choose the roles. Uh, teams can hire their own colleagues, etc. We don't care what others think, uh, uh, which is right or wrong. So I think just try to find out together, and then start somewhere. And then it probably it makes sense to to start, let's say, more with the kind of fundament and the purpose, uh, because that's something which uh, keeps people together, especially in bad times. Huh? If everything is is uh, let's say um, evolving uh, brilliantly, uh, then it's uh, then it's easy. Uh, I always take this example of sailing. If the weather is nice, there are a lot of good sailors around. But uh, if if there's a thunderstorm, you can see who's still able to sail a boat. I, and a lot of people reflect on that during the pandemic because this has exposed a lot of weak leaders or uh, or, or, or bad bad leaders uh, you know with this situation um another good example of that i'm just asking the people is um david marquette and turn the ship around where yeah. you know the, one yeah. of the first things he started with just taking the middle ranking officers and ask them what impediments they had to doing their job and that yeah. kicked off an entire cultural change so, yeah all the, ask all the people although i have to i have to um let's say also say that let's say if you just take an example, if you are would be the CEO of the company or if you would own the company, it still makes a lot of sense to read a lot because some topics are really counterintuitive. So if you if you think about salary models, then it really makes sense to read research on that, to be able to argue and to understand that bonuses are counterproductive. And why are they counterproductive? It's not that complicated and you don't have to be a university professor. It's very clear that if you have a common goal, it doesn't really help to say we have 10 people and at the end of the year, three of them get a bonus and seven not. So this, this demotivational aspect of those who will not be able to have a bonus in the end is, is worse than those who you think, and I really want to express to think are the, the more important players. So it's about a kind of equality. Everybody is important. Uh, and, and perhaps we should have a kind of modesty that we perhaps don't know who is more important or, or wouldn't even allow the question to be, to be asked. And, and if you have read books like, for instance, uh, Everybody Matters of Bob Chapman, uh, uh, an American entrepreneur who, who also buys companies and he never, he never fires people. He says, everybody is important in this company. Everybody matters. So that goes much deeper. So if you have for yourself a kind of idea which road you want to travel, then it makes sense to be prepared for those discussions. Yeah. And I and I have to admit 
uh, that that um, let's say people who really have read a lot of books uh, often refer to to um, to a lot of research, which is very healthy for uh, um, let's say discussions in companies. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got another question here from Andrea. Uh, in an IT company where there are many different teams with different scopes, how to help managers to align objectives and constraints? No, that's, uh, let's say follow, follow the discussion. I mean, there are, you can search for, for examples. Atlassian is a good example, Australian company in this field. So especially IT companies are doing pretty well. Um, uh, but but it, 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 it's also, let's say, what is your starting point? So when, when, my, when the starting point is trust, then, then, then you don't end up with command and control. If the starting point is distrust, you end up with, with command and control. If your starting point is everybody matters and every, everybody is equally important and it's always about team, so it's not about about this 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 exceptional person who decides um, or or exceptional leadership. It's not the brilliant CEO, uh, but but dive into the research because if you if you have not solved this question for yourself and you really think that that the one brilliant guy, uh, often the brilliant white. Uh, 50 year old uh, CEO is the reason why a company is doing well, yeah, then it will be very difficult to change your culture. So difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you start, if you start with trust, you, you, you're immediately going to start asking the people themselves, right? And, and look, look in those areas for, for the answers. Yeah. And just to um, take one, just take one example from Brooks, for instance, about trust. People who really have an embedded understanding of trust, they, they don't change their attitudes when something happens. So just take a very simple example. It's a book of um, Hewlett Packard, uh, the, the Hewlett Packard way, just to take one example, there are much more. And, 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 then, and then I don't know if it was Packard or Hewlett who went into a factory and he, he sees that all the, all, the, all the people, all the stuff people are using is, is behind, uh, is locked. And, and and it just takes off all the locks, and he says, "Why should you, why should you put locks on this, on this, uh, on this, uh, let's say cupboards, etc." Yeah, people could steal this stuff, and I said, "That's the wrong, that's the wrong starting point." So, yeah. so um, it's always the question: what, what, what are the means, and what's, what's, what's the cause, or what's, what's, what, what's the basic principle? So you're not if 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 let's say something goes wrong in society, you're not you don't want mass surveillance. And so so there's always a kind of question: what 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 kind of culture do you want to uh, create? And 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 or also what kind of bureaucracy you want to create? And this is in this this famous example of Netflix, that that people control all these travel expenses, etc. And they said, okay, that doesn't make sense. You have enormous amount of bureaucracy. For what? For those 1% of people who sometimes, let's say, put an extra taxi bill on the, on the expense sheet, etc. And then they solved it by putting all those travel expenses transparently. 
somewhere in the company so people could if they are really interested could dive into this stuff but if you do this on a very small level and keep things simple and small so if you would have the kind of transparency in the team about travel expenses you don't have to control those people because people will just behave correctly because they are they are behaving towards each other as colleagues in the team yeah 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 Another question here, uh, is self-organized uh, always a good idea, you know, when we think of creative companies versus process-led companies? Um, yes, it is. And uh, I, I mean, I often got this question and I, in the beginning, I, I thought I should answer with examples like Beardsorg, etc. But if you are in a very masculine, uh, 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 let's say, a command and control uh, management conference setting, that's not the good example for them. Uh, so so I, what I like to refer to is um, the army. And the funny thing is that in the army, so if you really talk about, let's say, our whole understanding of command and control and somebody has to say what, to, what we have to do, especially in times of crisis, you find out if you dive into this topic, that that um, for instance the German army, which I'm, I'm Dutch, I'm not German. Uh, in the German army, uh, wh where we have a kind of understanding that it was totally vertical, had an enormous amount of self-organizing autonomy, and and was was let's say successful between brackets because it's an awful topic, but the Americans just 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 did a lot of research on that, and those and those and those those extreme uh, battlefield groups, they are extremely uh, self-organizing, which Simon Sinek uh, describes in his book, Why Leaders Eat Last. So, so um, uh, I would say in the end, it always is, but the road which has to be traveled to reach that goal can be a very, very long one. Right. Yeah, and the other example I love in the, in the States is Morning Star, which is a tomato, yeah. tomato processing company. Yeah. <laughs> it does get much more process-led than um, processing tomatoes. So, yeah, I think, I think it can always but be done. Turning, turning the ship around is about um, submarines, eh? so it's also not about a non-profit setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, how, so we've sort of covered the, the bonus questions here. Um, can you elaborate more on how you hire people and what is important for you in this process? Oh, it's very simple, uh, decentralized. So um, people in the team, let's just take an, an example, very practical one. We have a credit department, seven or eight people. They want to hire a new colleague because they have too much work to do. Uh, uh, our people first or I mean, we hate the word uh, HR eh, because people are not resources, is facilitates the process. And, and then in the team, uh, the, the, the one who is in charge at, the, at that moment, as eh, rotation leadership, so the one who is in that moment will ask their colleagues who wants to uh, uh, do a talk with, um, uh, let's say, with the new hire or uh, uh, wants to be involved in this process. And everybody has a veto. And those people decide themselves for themselves who they want to hire. And then what's the, what's the logic behind it? They feel responsible 
So they will take a common decision. They will think, oh, Richard will be amazing uh, hire for our team. And then perhaps they find out, yeah, because that's always the question, oh, what, what do, how do you solve it when Richard is not an uh, excellent hire? The starting point will be that everybody feels responsible to make Richard a very successful colleague. And then when they find out that, let's say it seldom happens, um, the new colleague uh, was a mishire, so to say, uh, then, then also those people will find out together. And often, often if you would have a kind of underperformance, there is a reason for that. So in the end, it's about intrinsic motivation. So if you are in this whole structure, if somebody is not successful, and people decide in the team themselves based on, on strength of the individual who is taking care of what role or what responsibility, then in the end, it's intrinsic motivation which is lacking. And if intrinsic, intrinsic motivation is lacking, we always say search as long as possible until you find something which gives you fulfillment and then you are back to a sense of purpose right what would you recommend um uh to old-fashioned managers like command and control mindset uh, on how to evolve their own mindset to establish trust that's from fabian oh that's a very good uh, very good question um that's very difficult to answer uh, because it depends very, very much on the setting of uh, the company, uh, but also on the setting of the person itself. So um, it's very difficult. Uh, just take one, one example. If you have a, let's say, stock-listed company, and, and, and which is dominated by short-term interest of shareholders who have the shares for three months, it's very difficult to escape this kind of rational. Uh, so... So, and then you can have a kind of uh, schizophrenic situation that if people are, would be very honest to themselves, they would admit to themselves that they, they don't have autonomy. They even don't like it, but they are in a kind of system uh, on the one hand where perhaps they have to admit to themselves that that's the case, or they don't care. Uh, that's also possible, but, but then there's this self-reflection uh, missing um, or uh, people people in the end uh, quit and search for a new environment so Frederick Laloux says in his book with his experience as a consultant but also others do that there can be settings which are extremely difficult to change and then the question is an individual one do you want to be Don Quixote Sometimes it could, for instance, also be interesting to read more this kind of literature. Do you want to be a Don Quixote uh, and uh, fight against the windmills? Uh, or... oh, sorry, a, a Don Quixote. What was that? Don Quixote is the Spanish literature of the, of, of the guy who's fighting the windmills. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. A Don Quixote. Okay, yeah, yeah. Don Quixote. Oh, okay, Don Quixote. I, 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 my Spanish is not, no, 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 my, my, my Spanish is non-existent. So, and I, I, I actually don't know how you pronounce it in English, but so the question is just, do you want to fight a fight which you can't win yeah. or, or let's say, do you, do you, do you do something else? So just take a very actual example. If you, if you work for an old company at the moment 
and 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 you watch, uh, let's say, uh, the whole discussion about climate change. It's a very very good question. Will you be able to change something internally? I I don't have the answer. Yeah. No, it's, it, you're right, it's hard. I mean, in, in Gary Hamill's latest book, Humanocracy, one of the concepts he introduces, yeah. which I like, is this idea of the recovering bureaucrat, right? And uh, if we're in these command and control bureaucracies, one of the first steps to get out of them is to, it's a bit like going to being an alcoholic, right? The first step is to admit we're an alcoholic. Like the first step is to admit we're a, a kind of command and control bureaucrat. Uh, and if you can find groups that can do that collectively from there, there may be an opening to, to change. Um, I, I just I just wanted to, because I, I, I see a question which often comes about underperformance in teams. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we also should 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 take this as an example because you often uh, have this kind of reaction. Yeah, that sounds very nice. And every and when you always would have only outperformance, I understand that self-organization works pretty well but how do you how do you deal with underperforming so um the question is always what is underperformance uh and 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 there are, are three ways in in how to answer this and one we already answered it's about intrinsic motivation so when the starting point is that everybody is in, uh, is is intrinsically motivated and you have a situation in the team where people are able themselves to decide together who is taking care of what? There's enormous acceptance for for taking different parts of of what has to be done, and there's an enormous acceptance that everything is equally important. And I was just want to take a very practical example. So one half of the company are mortgage advisors, uh, and mortgage advisors there are different type of mortgage advisors. So there 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 are mortgage advisors. They like much more talking to clients. There are, let's say, the classical mortgage advisor who is perhaps a little bit more extrovert or as seen as the typical mortgage advisor um, is different from the more in, in, introvert uh, person. And then you have, but everybody knows that also, let's say, a databases has to be uh, actual or you have to uh, care about content or explaining in videos on your website, uh, where, uh, let's say, uh, how 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 do you approach the whole topic let's say for clients etc and and if you have the same salary uh, and you don't have a bonus on the revenue or on your own revenue then everybody in the end is very happy that everybody can go after the topic people like themselves most so there are let's say colleagues who say i love to talk to clients all the time i hate to onboard new colleagues I hate to update the database. I don't like to do videos at all. And because we have our approach is uh, that's always about cultural fit. We have, for instance, a former teacher who teaches Latin and Greek. Uh, and she does all the videos because our filmer says it's only one shot with Annelike. Why? Because she was in front of the class and she is really well equipped. And 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 uh, let's say she she has studied she has studied this kind of huh? how 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 do you teach so so she is very well able to explain in a in a simple way so to say um, uh, uh, let's say in in clients videos where it is all about and 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 our filmer loves her 
because he, right. he always needs one shot. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, good. Well, we've got eight minutes left. Um, do we have time for, for one more? I know we want to do a closing poll. Um, I'm not hearing a no, so let's... Um, yes, so you do. A, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can, we, we can keep going till maybe 5-2 and then we can wrap up. So we've got a few more. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay, so, um, so the follow-up question from Fabian is, um, so how to change uh, the system? What uh, might be the message to change hierarchically structured system? Do we need the leaders to change in the first instance? Yeah, I, w I want to. I want to. I want to end with a more philo philosophical uh, remark. Also, um, because if people uh, are interested, you can you can Google a lot of talks. Also, be between uh, Richard and me uh, on on all those topics. There are a lot of videos around. I, I just I just want to uh, end with a philosophical remark. Heidegger once said, "We should walk more often." Uh, 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 do works on the graveyard. So in the end, it's always about self-reflection. It's always about memento mori. It's so especially the remember most death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah remember death. Yeah. So 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 it's always about self-reflection. And if you don't have any self-reflection, and if you are egoistic, and you don't care about others, then it's a very difficult discussion. But let's consider that in the end, people have a kind of self-reflection. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of lot of uh, ways to to do this. Uh, Heidegger just this is one example, uh, but you can also say, okay, when I would die, and we did a we did a pretty uh, extensive talk on that. Remember, you will die. I think is the title of our conversation. Uh, it's about self-reflection, and and I think the the bigger the problems are, the more you have to zoom out. If you want to change climate change, it's about the question: Do you have children or grandchildren yourself? If you really want to zoom out, it's not about uh, diving into carbon uh, emission certificates, etc. So, so zoom out, ask the more philosophical questions, and that's probably the best starting point. Right, and there's some good evidence for that. I was reading a book called The Future of Com uh, Capitalism by uh, Paul Collier, and in there there's some research, and they ask people, you know, what do they regret most? Is it the is it not getting the things they wanted or not having done the things they felt they ought to have done? And people regret much more not having done the things they ought to have done. Uh, so, and, you know, as so a dwelling in that question of like, what ought I be doing now, given I will die, you know, is a very powerful one. Uh, as you say, of, of many we can we can ask, but it's, uh, it's the point of self-reflection. Self-management in the end is for those who manage the biggest relief because your own life is much more fulfilling. So it creates an enormous amount of stress for those people in a vertical organization. So, so that's an aspect we, we don't often talk about, perhaps something for another session, especially if you talk about top managers, in the end, they are not happy. So, so and, and, nor, and nor are their kids, right? That the, the children of, of, of high-level executives are more likely to become addicts and, and have mental health yeah. problems. So, so just that's something I wanted to add because that's something perhaps if you have a very trustful relation to somebody on the, on, on the top on this vertical uh, organizations, then that also could be a, a topic to dive into. Are you really happy in the way you you are at this top and have an enormous, uh, let's say from outside, enormous, uh, you're famous or important, but those people are, in the end are not happy.